Hey there, Cosmic fam. Welcome back to the Cosmic Circle, where we discuss all things nerdy. It is currently the holiday season, and with every holiday season, we are looking forward and looking back on all the things that this year has brought us and everything that's coming in the future. So in honor of that, we are looking to talk about what 2022 has brought us for the MCU and what Phase 5 is going to bring us in the future. Joining me today is Isla Ruby and Anthony Flagg, both from the Cosmic Circus family. Uh, hey, you two, how are we doing today? Hi, I'm Isla Ruby. I'm so excited to be here. I'm a writer for the Cosmic Circus, and I can't wait to talk about 2022 in review and what I'm excited about in 2023. Hey there, guys. It's Anthony Flagg. It's good to talk to you guys, be around you guys, discuss the things we love so much. Let's get to it. I'm so glad to have you two back. It's always great to have the family here. Um, so looking back at 2022, we've had so many great television shows and movies from the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And when we were discussing this project, you know, we were looking at the entire phase four and we just realized there was too many projects to talk about. Um, so looking at the 2022 calendar of what we've had, what were some of the highlights for you starting with night moon night was back in march it kind of really set off this supernatural aspect of the marvel cinematic universe what did you guys think of that i mean i loved moon night uh you know there was a lot of anticipation of it for us particularly at the cosmic circus because you know we um we got to watch it a little bit earlier than everyone else and that was really exciting so i i always have a um like a special place for it in my heart. And I, I really actually also loved the music from Moon Knight and I was kind of disappointed. I recently was looking at my Spotify wrapped and I know I listened to the Moon Knight soundtrack like a billion times and it wasn't <laughs> in there. So I think it's rigged basically, but um, I love Moon Knight. I, I can't wait to hear what you guys think. The thing about Moon Knight is that it was just so iconic in a way like the costume oscar isaac was perfect for the role that's exactly who i wanted to play it um there was nothing about that show that just didn't hit the marks for us it was like indiana jones meets superhero and i, I fell in love instantly i want to spend the entire podcast talking about oscar isaac and how he pulled off the two roles because it's an amazing transformation between like, or, well, more than two roles, like between Arguably, all the characters. Arguably, I'd say it's like four or yeah. five, wasn't it, really? Because, you know... <laughs> there were so many. <laughs> yeah, no, he handled himself well doing many of them. God rest his soul for the, what do you call it, the accent. I know that wasn't well-received, but everything else mm -hmm. was just fantastic played through and through. I, um, you know, the one thing I am disappointed of is that we didn't get a Moon Knight Will Return title mm -hmm. card anywhere in the middle, like, if anything should have absolutely gotten it, it was that show. I mean, obviously he's coming back, but like, like you know, I'm watching Black Panther, Black Panther will return. Great. When is Moon Knight going to return? Because that's what I want to know about. What's I'm... interesting about that, though, too, is that while it didn't have the card saying he was going to return, the show itself was so removed from the MCU that like it was hard to almost to expect that even though I, i'm with you i want to see him again where is he going to show up i hope it's captain america new world order if the rumors are true probably not but there was just there was, it was so far removed from everything else that it, it felt like its own entity 
I know we were trying to find Easter eggs for a while there with with Moon Knight because it was so far removed. Like we were trying to figure out, okay, is this really in the same universe? And there's like a bus that drove by referencing <laughs> another MCU thing. And, you know, we were just looking for all those things, but you could totally enjoy it and watch it just outside of having seen everything else MCU. That's oh, a good absolutely. observation, really thinking about it. Yeah, you didn't have to watch anything prior at all to just go in there, watch that story by itself and walk away really satisfied with it. Mm-hmm. And, and that, in, in comparison, it's so different than our next entry into the Wait. 2022 MCU. Oh, sorry. We didn't ahead, talk about the best part of Moon Knight. And I know you wanted the Moon Knight will return, but I want the Scarlet Scarab will return because she's amazing. And I want her to have her own show or her own special. And I just had to get that out there. <laughs> um, Absolutely. She was the best part. And her costume at the end was easily one of the best costumes of that entire show her superhero costume mm-hmm. and original thinking about it it wasn't like based off of anything it was just like a full concept that they made for her character and her it was oh, incredible absolutely. um good point point. Um, thank you isla because that is true we can't we can't move on before <laughs> we, we talked about the scarlet scarab um but unlike the next entry where moon knight was very removed and you didn't have to watch anything to to enjoy it Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness had so much that you needed to take in prior to seeing it to really appreciate it. And part of it, I think that a lot of people would agree was that it got lost in translation somewhere, you know, because you had to take into account, uh, you had to take into account WandaVision and you had to know Doctor Strange. And there was so many Wanda specific stories that led to her being this villain that, it was so connected to the MCU. I don't know what the two of you think, but that's kind of where I stand with it. Well, not just that, but also like for those who, you know, like me enjoyed X-Men growing up, hey, Sir Patrick Stewart's back. He's playing, you know, Professor X. Here he is just full flown. And then for the small group of people that watch Inhumans and got to see Black Bolt back again on screen. So... It was cool, though, like for those people that are dialed in and knew every single one of these iterations, that must have been like a really gratifying feeling. I only watched a few episodes of Inhuman, so I'm not going to say like I had that full attachment to it. But yet seeing him in the actual costume was an amazing moment. I was excited about um, Anson Mount and it just because I like Star Trek. And I think I told you guys (laughs) I was like watching Star Trek in my basement before we were, you know, on this call. Um, And, you know, he plays Captain Pike in Strange New World. So I didn't have the Inhumans connection, but I was so excited for Captain Pike. I loved the Inhumans as characters are some of my favorites. And I will unfortunately be on on the ship that I liked Inhumans, the TV show. And I'm probably it's probably a captain of one here. But (laughs) Anson Mount is by far the best Inhumans Black Bolt that we could have ever had. I am sad in the movie you don't get to see his eyebrows because in the TV show his eyebrows did the entire work. <laughs> but to see him back just for the moment, I oh, I was so happy. I just cannot get over that. And not only that, we finally had our fan casted Mr. Fantastic, mm-hmm. at least for one appearance here. Yeah. And I'm not... curious what you guys think of that. Sorry. Uh you know, I was never on the train of John Krasinski as as Mr. Fantastic, but when I heard the applause there at the theater, I thought it was cool because people were just like, whoa, like, 
you know, we know about some of these things happening beforehand, but when you're amongst the group of people that don't have a clue about not just this character, but this actor playing that, that genuine surprise hearing it from others is fantastic. Um, the other thing I really, really enjoyed from that scene was seeing Captain Carter. Like, I know we had the setup yes. from it, from what if and, 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 you know, but like to see it actually happen wearing the Union Jack setup mm -hmm. and with the, with the shield and everything, man, that was just so cool. She's amazing. And she was amazed. Like she was the highlight of Dr. Strange for me. I think actually that whole sequence with all the, the cameos were, were really exciting for me. Um, Anytime she we was can a get Haley Atwell back is just fantastic. Right? And, but she was such exactly. a badass there, and I love that. Do you think will we will, we will be seeing her again? Yes, live but action. only in What If. Oh, live action, I have no idea. I hope so. I know so. we get her again in What If Season 2, but that's about it. I think she I think... can do like a lot of good stuff. Like she's... Secret Wars, maybe? Yes. Mm -hmm. I want a whole series from her, because Haley Atwell can just she can act funny story Brian. there's this one show called agent carter i'm just kidding <laughs> listen i have all the seasons on dvd don't do this to me uh, I will, I, if you have it on dvd it's been a long time uh we we've traveled the world since then um i mean it's but, smart though to have them on dvd yeah because you know things are disappearing from the internet and disappearing that's from true. streaming now so that's like that's a really good not to derail your train of thought, but like that's a really good thing now. Part of me gets, you know, as much as I love Disney Plus and I love the TV shows, I wish that they were on disc because something about having the physical copy. Granted, I know they need to sell Disney Plus subscriptions. So, of course, they're never going to put WandaVision on disc or maybe for its 30th anniversary. Who knows? But the fact of having that disc with the set and it just, it all looks complete. Uh, chef's kiss. Um, but about that fight from uh, Multiverse of Madness, what I love too, besides seeing all of these fan favorite characters, is we really got to see just how brutal Wanda is as as a villain, and not just as a mm -hmm. villain, but as a character. Like she she blew up Black Bolt's brain, and she shredded Mister Fantastic. Like, and there wasn't a second hesitation, and that was just like so wildly epic in such a scary way. I loved it. She's creepy. You know, she she made him, she just turned him into spaghetti and it's, there was no remorse. She's really awful there. My last comment on, she... uh, on uh, Multiverse of Madness though is is how they set up with Clea showing up and Charlize Theron of all people getting to play that iconic character, which is mm -hmm. interesting. I'm still a little disappointed in how the ending of the movie happened because all of a sudden Third Eye activates, all of a sudden she shows up and he's like, I'm in, but apart from that, hey, that's a hell of a setup that they're going to have to really work to pay off when it's time for Doctor Strange 3. And I think part of that problem, too, is that whole movie felt so rushed, and part mm -hmm. of it probably had to do with the pandemic. Part of it had to do with just the the vastness of it. It probably should have been a two-part film, almost. But that ending was just like the icing on the cake of a film that, like, you just had so many beats that you had to hit before the end that like that part was also rushed and you're just like it truly was a, a multiverse of madness because you're kind of going bad by the end of it 
Mm-hmm. You know, I don't think I considered that before that it should be a two part, but now that you say it, I think it totally makes sense because it, it does kind of have the scope of like Infinity War and Endgame. It totally, it would have worked so much better and we would have been able to savor those moments so much better and maybe like get the significance as we're watching it so much better. So I think I'm, I'm totally on that team now. We could have traversed the multiverse more too. That, that's the one thing that would have been great, you know, versus just one sequence where they go through and then boom, one universe, a second universe, and all right, back home. Like there could have been a little bit more in between. We need more Savage Land and the answers for the dinosaur bones in Hawkeye, frankly. I really wanted more of that paint land. That was just a cool bit where everything was just blobs of paint. Sign me up. I could live there. Mm-hmm. But I think this also brings up uh, an an important question of the structure that we've had so far with the mcu where we've had like these six part series and one part movies and you know we've had one two part film like granted they changed the name to endgame and infinity war but it was originally proposed as part one part two infinity war Mm -hmm. i think that it's time to start expanding some of these stories that they don't need to be just one film they could be two films or it doesn't need to be six parts it could be four parts and that's okay too and um, I hope to see some more, especially as we get into the special presentations, which we have one coming up that we're going to discuss that I'm really excited to get to. I wonder how much of that is too, because of, you know, they're pushing to get this content out and like to get stuff out because I, I'm like, personally, I'm always in favor of more movies and more TV shows and more episodes in particular. And I, I think with the Marvel TV shows, there just weren't enough episodes. And I just wanted more of these stories to feel complete. Um, so. I, I wish that was the case. Did you feel that way with Miss Marvel? Because that, that is our next one on the list. And I felt that there was room for expanding or contracting the story into a different episode count because the six six did not necessarily work for that, even though I loved Miss Marvel. Not just that, but spending one episode really, really entrenched into the past of her grandparents. That could have been reworked maybe to a little bit shorter and given a little more time to the present. I'm I'm still team more episodes. I just wanted so much more story and more just just more story than what we got. And I had a lot of um, unanswered questions that I wanted to find out more. Now I have to wait a very long time. Right. <laughs> and it always felt like this whole was a setup for the Marvels. Like as much as they were telling Tamala's story, it was like, yes, we're doing this so you can see what she does next. Like, no, I want to know what she's doing now. Explore that. And then I still want to see what she does next. I mean, and I think part of it is too that, you know, Miss Marvel was so charming. Miss Marvel, like we, I, I'm thinking that we all enjoyed it. So that's why we wanted like more of it or, mm-hmm. you know, wanted different arrangements of it. So I thought Miss Marvel was really a success with that. And I can tell and that they the- were trying to feed to the bigger part of the MCU with the, you know, they spent that moment about the Bengals and where they came from and this and that. Like, I get that. But, uh, you know, we, we really wanted to see our little super, super heroine do her thing. It actually feels like a lot of the shows that we've had so far have been filler or like setting up movies, which kind of reminds me of back in the day with Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. where it responded to the movies and like filled in these gaps, but it like never actually at the beginning didn't stand on its own. And so, you know, we have WandaVision that set up uh, Doctor Strange with Multiverse of Madness. We have Loki that's setting up the entire multiverse. Falcon and the Winter Soldier setting up Captain America. And Miss Marvel was setting up the Marvels. I think what would have almost been more interesting for Miss Marvel was to almost have a um like like a monster of a week setup kind of or like She-Hulk where it's like every episode was kind of its own 
because this is a teenage kid and it could have been something like spider-man where it's like but like the day-to-day of spider-man like mm-hmm. you're going to school and then you have to on your way home you get stopped by a villain and you decide oh i'm gonna i'm gonna beat up this villain and i'm gonna save the world and it really was serving a bit wider story of like the bangles and magic and setting up Jin and all of this stuff and in the comic books you know we saw much more of her daily life we saw much more of her daily struggles which i think was part of what was so appealing about her as a character um and it's a little bit sad that we lost some of that and i would argue in the show some of the best parts were her and her family absolutely yeah for sure interaction between her and her brother her and her mom her and her dad separate together all of it i think even her and her friends and like bruno and you know they all just had such good chemistry that I could have watched a show just about them without her magic powers. (laughs) I think Marvel has um, kind of shown that they can do these like intimate family moments really well with the TV shows. And I think that's something we haven't seen in the movies. Like we saw the family dinners in Miss Marvel and we saw that in She-Hulk and just these like family relationships that, you know, so much drama comes from that, even if it's a comedy or whatever, that like they just really did well. Instead, we got that ice cream scene in Multiverse of Madness that I still <laughs> hate very, very much. <laughs> um, but absolutely, it had those intimate moments and it tried to have this very heartful story. And I think it appealed to both, at least for me, it appealed to me as an adult, but I've also watched it appeal to my nephew, you mm-hmm. know, who had, it had that kiddish humor. It was for like a younger skewed audience, but it still fit in so well with the MCU and the feel of what the MCU is. Yeah, it was the first, um, it was the first Marvel thing that I was able to show my daughter for, you know, for, I think it was the first three or four episodes. She's seen a little bit of Spider-Man, but I basically had to fast forward through most of it. Um, But I I appreciated that I could show her something MCU and it was like a strong woman. I mean, a strong girl. That's such a, like, like what a core memory for you and your (laughs) daughter. Like, that's so awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So fast forwarding then, jumping to Thor Love and Thunder, which was the last movie we had in theaters prior to Black Panther Wakanda Forever. And this film really had such mixed reviews from audiences and critics alike. I loved it. I know a lot of people didn't love it. Where do you fall on the spectrum? I'll go first. I'll tell you, I did not love it. I was disappointed. You did not. Look, look. I saw that behind the scenes video or whatever that that set video oh, of Jane coming. where she's getting the mm. hammer she's being lifted up in the air <laughs> and they just cut it like it didn't matter and I mean like even just behind the scenes it looked amazing like she was convulsing like clearly there was some strength coming into her you know the 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 hammer is forming itself around her instead what do we get we see a couple pieces moving inside of a glass case and then cut. I will forever be angry about that because we didn't even get like, you know, a, to my, to my knowledge, there's no behind the scenes or alternate or deleted scenes of that. So i never got that. That would have been an amazing introduction. And well, not just that, but they didn't, we know that she went to Valhalla. I hope she comes back because it just felt so short-lived. She deserved more than just the one movie to do her thing. Part of me wonders about that scene, though. Like, while it looked really cool behind the scenes, if it actually translated well to camera, or like when they were trying to like 
to put the VFX in there? Like, or did it look like someone who was convulsing in the sky and they're like, oh, this doesn't look so great. <laughs> That's a good point. I didn't think about that. But I mean, at least from the behind the scenes, it did look really awesome. Like she was about to like really level up. I like that we got um, Natalie Portman back. I think that, yes. that, you know, the direction that they went in that convinced her to do that is great because I think, I mean, she has to come back, right? There has to be more of her, I think, if she secret was. Wars. Yes, exactly. Just every um, time you want somebody back, just say Secret Wars. It works. <laughs> or the Heimdall show, because I, I remember there was rumors of that not long ago. The Heimdall was getting his own show, and that would be in Valhalla as well. Yeah, that's true. I, well, so there's potential, right? We could see even more of her. So I, you know, I appreciate that that Thor did that, but you know, it's it's never going to be Ragnarok for me. That was just like amazing. Um, so I think that's a fair point. I mean, because how do you follow up Ragnarok? Ragnarok was epic in every single way. The comedy was like almost perfect. Alex Perez of the Cosmic Circus may uh, disagree with it, but it it definitely <laughs> had such a great feel that like I think that any film was really going to have a hard time following that, and they were trying to do this like love story. Mm-hmm. Um, I also it think that this is unless it. <laughs> if I'm just saying, it, also... it, didn't, it didn't exactly work. They also sure. completely wasted Christian Bale. Like, come on now. Like you got a you got a good get right there, and just the mm-hmm. actor alone, and a great character of Gore the God Butcher, and then you see him kill one god in the very beginning of the film, and that's it. Nothing else after that. Everything else is implied, or it already happened off screen. I mean, come on! It's all the little things that added up to me that made me not love the film. It also like we they we they wasted Sif, you know, like they brought back yes. Jamie Alexander, who has who's a great actress. And she had what two scenes? She had one at the beginning and one at the end. Yeah. Um, I also don't think though this is the last time we see Natalie Portman because you don't mm-hmm. bring you don't get Natalie Portman to come back to the MCU after messing up the first time <laughs> and not make sure to lock her down for multiple films. Like that's all I'm saying. Right, especially when you've seen the success of the MCU, like you would think that part of her her deal is like I'm gonna get some of the MCU, you know, money going forward that I missed out on by just doing this one one thing so i mean i i would hope did you guys think that there was enough guardians of the galaxy content in this like what were your thoughts i, I love the guardians and my answer is I always want more but yeah exactly see polar opposites right there and that's fine at the same time as much as i love them it took away from what could have been given time to natalie portman as the mighty thors mm-hmm it felt like it was we had to put him in there because of how we left Endgame and then there was a shuffle because of COVID. So we had to explain it away. I think it would have been a better story if you would have just told the Thor story. Don't explain how he got to it and have him show up in, in Guardians of the Galaxy and explain it away that way. Because up to this point, James Gunn has been the only one that's really done justice to the Guardians. And this one kind of fell flat. There was They didn't feel like the Guardians. I didn't even recognize chris Perra. i don't know what's going on there um but mm-hmm. it just it just didn't have a great feel it felt too chaotic and too sh- shoehorned in to really be a vital part of that story you could have had, like, like like anthony said you could have had more gods being killed by gore mm-hmm. and have gotten rid of that 15 20 minutes 
easily because um the time they spent with the guardians really didn't serve much except showing how badass thor was <laughs> and even then he was just kind of messing around like they could have used a couple throwaway lines just to say yeah i got dropped off my ride went on to their own thing mm-hmm. they went to nowhere or whatever and 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 kept moving on and given that time elsewhere and the time we did spend with gods was kind of a farce i mean we went we went to what omnipotent city and mm-hmm. zeus is kind right. of just like that one uncle you have at thanksgiving that's just like <laughs> ah, whatever you know like that's the best way to explain him i'm like this is this is literally zeus one of <laughs> right. the biggest right. gods of all of mythology and he's just kind of like drinking wine chilling doing things for sport which i understand the greeks did that but like <laughs> I don't know. This felt like a disservice to what the gods could have been. And, and you know, all you got was like a sweeping view of all the other ones in the crowd. You didn't get, I don't remember any other ones speaking. Well, with that sweeping view, though, it's amazing to me what, what folks have started to notice and kind of pull out and connect the threads from mm-hmm. other, you know, other, other shows. Um, there's, you know, a friend of the Cosmic Circus on Twitter, Max Marvel, who, you know, when Thor came out and when that particular um, scene was, I think, released in the trailers and then later in the the HD stuff from the movie, like he was finding each each god from mm-hmm. Moon Knight, from uh, Black Panther and, you know, explaining some of the history. And I thought that was really cool having that interconnectedness. Yeah, absolutely. And before we move on, we, I do just have to say that at the end, we got that that teaser of of hercules and i think that we're in for some big <laughs> some big stuff you mean not no, ted lasso <laughs> haven't seen ted lasso i got to now because yeah i mean that's all i'm gonna say um <laughs> so you know the next is she hulk and this is another one that people either loved or they hated it had a different format they took a chance to try something new i will say that i liked it the ending was different. And I don't know how I feel about it. that last episode. Feel felt like it just took such a wild turn. It didn't feel MCU. It was hilarious. I laughed my ass off. But I just don't know about how that ended and how it's going to. How, like, how do you? Where do you go from there? So that's kind of you know how what I've been thinking about that one. What about the two of you? That's a similar concern as far as where are they going to go after that. Like, can you just write yourself out of any plot hole now? Just cause mm-hmm. like. Is, is this every time they're like, well, we're stuck in a corner. Ah, screw it. We're just going to go really meta with it. You know, I watch Rick and Morty every week. And they, about two weeks ago, they had this literal meta episode. Sorry, spoilers for anybody that has not watched the <laughs> most recent season of Rick and Morty, but I'm going in on it. But they literally had this one sequence where Rick goes through and they go back and fly through the literal opening credits. And I'm like, this feels like we're jumping the shark. Is She-Hulk going to do this in the future? Because it's like, oh, well, what do we do? Ah, screw it. We'll just write ourselves out of this. It's a little bit concerning because mm-hmm. now what happens when you pair her with other people and don't say she got paired with somebody, this doesn't count. But like, you put her in a movie, like what's going to happen? She's like, all right, pause it real quick. I'm going to get behind the camera and I'm going to change it all up. And then we're going to win the day. It just think- kind of removes the stakes out of it. I think that's that's a totally, you know, the best way to put it, right? Because you don't know what the stakes are. If they can just write, if you know, if they can just invent the the Feige robot um, to just make it all better, which was all, like, that was really funny and awesome. And I like, I, I really enjoyed She-Hulk up until the revenge porn storyline. Then it like pissed me off. You know, I didn't think 
any of that stuff fitted in with her fit in with her character and then I was also frustrated with um like you said the the ending and you know the stakes not mattering as much and just writing yourself out of that um I really liked everything else with She-Hulk I liked you know the pairing with Daredevil I liked seeing Daredevil as more um like the lighter side I thought him doing the walk of shame was hilarious I liked that (laughs) absolutely yeah and I liked that um I liked that Jen was kind of coming into herself and kind of figuring out who she was between you know Jen Walters and She-Hulk and kind of ultimately accepting that you know I thought that was kind of a story worth telling I just it was a little bit clumsy for me um the fourth wall stuff was awesome I liked Allie McBeal I liked all of those old procedurals um not procedurals but you know law shows so I thought that was good Mm -hmm. and I I just don't know what like what's real for for the rest of the MCU where where does she show up again and what what has happened because you can't break the fourth wall as easily in someone else's show it's not the same tone which I think that it would partially kind of do with like house of cards where, you know, the main character breaks the fourth wall and like his wife starts to learn over time. And so like nobody else is aware. So I think you could easily do it where like you're breaking the fourth wall and like a, like the camera turns and stuff, but it also depends on the tone of these different projects. Like if she does show up in captain America, uh, new world order, how does that fit in with, you mm-hmm. know, she, cause she can't nearly be as comedic. Um, I do feel like She-Hulk 2, there was a better story they could have told, and it got lost somewhere. And I, I don't know where it got lost in there, but there was there was a really good beginning concept. You could have had the lawyer show, but then you kind of wanted it to be an action show. But then at the end, you didn't really know what tone you wanted to have. Um, I, the best part was getting to see Daredevil in a completely different, you know, he wasn't uh, a, a mature rated Daredevil, and that was really cool. Well, I guess he was mature rated. I should take that back. <laughs> take that back. He was. It seemed like they were, it seemed like they kind of took the focus from it being Jen Walter's story to it being mm-hmm. um, like making fun of the internet and essentially their fan story. And that kind of rubbed me a little bit of the wrong way in some ways, because not, you know, it was like they were anticipating the Twitter stuff and all of that. And that was just kind of annoying to me. Um, because I didn't need like real life in stories. Cause I, I inject re- into it. Yeah. I, I like, mm-hmm. real life is, is enough real life every day. I, I don't want that in my fantasy world of MCU. Um, I, I just, that bothered me. <laughs> Going off of that, you know, I think that this is a really good point to ask you. Cause the psychology of me is always asking. Yeah. <laughs> specifically you'd mentioned you didn't like and i agree with you but the revenge porn storyline as a woman watching that that had to be really kind of difficult because like you said that was kind of this crash into reality of having to like this happens quite frequently to people and you have to mm-hmm. worry about that and would was there a way to tell that storyline in your eyes that maybe was a better way to do it than how they did it or should they have just ignored that altogether i don't think it fit in with the tone of the show i think it it um, you know, I think it was kind of almost too dark. It didn't, you know, because it is like, it is a real life thing. It's something that's, you know, frequently the, the stakes are more real life than like aliens from outer space. It feels like, 
And I know that's a thing, like you want street level stories and stuff. It just felt very out of left field for me. Kind of personal. Yes. And I, I didn't, it just, it really bothered me and totally like swung me around on my feelings with the show. But that's just yeah. me. No, it completely caught me off guard during that time. Like as soon as that, that happened and I kind of had inkling of what was going to happen, but the fact that they did that and, you know, my sister even texted me and reached out, um, you know luna who writes for us she reached mm-hmm. out and she was like wow i can't believe they did that like up to that point it was like lighthearted and kind of funny and then all of a sudden it was yep the real world was crashing in on a big screen and like you couldn't miss it it wasn't like it wasn't like a like a cell phone you know it was like on a large screen in front of everybody and then as my sister pointed out shout out to her that then she kind of lost her cool and it just showed that like women are wrong to respond to be angry and like that was like also a wrong message that my that my sister pointed out was like there was Mm -hmm. no winning that situation and so like she just ended up looking like a villain for being victim you know being a victim Mm -hmm. she was she she was had something taken out of her control so i think that like there it really did hit the mark and like didn't it missed the mark sorry it did not hit the mark it missed the mark and it didn't do what it was supposed to what they i think they were trying to be really smart with it but it wasn't nearly as smart as they thought it was yeah I it think... was tone deaf yeah mm-hmm. for for this day and age i mean for some people that's something they've literally gone through you nor i nor brian have ever had to fight aliens or <laughs> deal with gods or anything but i'm sure <laughs> someone we know in yep. our group of circle has had something maybe not exactly like that but something similar happening mm-hmm. and that can be triggering it can be embarrassing it can be humiliating it's just so many awful things and so for you for someone to just sit there and 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 try to find comfort in a, in a comedic show and then have that just end, you know, next to last episode, it's just gotta be, well, really devastating. I also, and this is not, like, I understand that she was kind of the foil, but I think they did Titania dirty. Um, I think she, like, so Jamila Jamil is an amazing actress and I wanted like a real motivation for her being, after Mm -hmm. her and I wanted Mm -hmm. so much more of her because she like steals the show whenever she's on screen and it just felt like they made her almost catty and I hated that um you know because that's kind of not what she you know she hulks about a strong woman and Mm -hmm. you you should have like a strong villain too to match that and I was just disappointed by that (laughs) the one thing I liked is how they switched it though and made her an influencer to kind of keep Mm -hmm. it in line with what, what current things are like she's selling merch (laughs) <laughs> she's on social media like stuff like that it's like okay that's she kinda... trademarked her name right that was she like the name, ultimate yeah. evil yeah, yeah. <laughs> patent <laughs> trolls patent trolls are a big thing oh. nowadays and so i i did like that but as far as her motivations and everything outside of that was a big big miss oh absolutely um jumping ahead just so we can stay on time we're jumping to october in october we had werewolf by night which was was the first special presentation by Marvel Studios. And it was kind of a secret. It was not a secret, but it was kind of a secret. Nobody was talking about it, even though everybody knew it was coming <laughs> until September. And we got that trailer. Um, and up until that trailer point, there was a lot of um, back and forth, which I feel like with Thor and She-Hulk, this was kind of the running thing of like people didn't like it and people did not know what to feel about World by Night. But I have to say that I absolutely loved it. This was such a different project than we have ever seen from the MCU. I mean, we had it in black and white. It was the old horror feel. Mm-hmm. We had 
practical effects. And I loved it so much. So we had monsters. That's I was gonna say. I loved it so much that I'm gonna get a man thing tattoo on on my leg because I loved him so much in that thing. I could not get enough of him. I just thought he was amazing. So for me, this was probably one of the top 2022 MCU projects. What are your guys' thoughts? I, I mean, I'm up I want to with you. Yeah, I want to see the man thing tattoo though. Just like when it's done, totally just putting that out there because I think that's amazing. Totally. <laughs> Yeah, I think it was an amazing project and they took a risk by going black and white. And I wonder if that's part of why they kept it so secret. And I think, you know, Lizzie Hill of of our fabulous editor-in-chief, you know, deserves so much credit for just confirming and the existence of this show when nobody else would and confirming, you know, interesting details about it because there was a lot of um, rumor and speculation. So she got it right. So, you know, props to her for that. Um, it was awesome. <laughs> Yeah, props to her for not just getting the 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 project, but also that man thing was going to appear. Who also else? Bloodstone. Bloodstone yeah. You know, those are big. Gifts. So many so, heavy hitters. So, you know, I'll clap. But uh, <laughs> what I really enjoyed about the show was that were the little things about it, like the opening with the voiceover, with the Latin and the little documents as they panned over the screen. It just really gave a feel that I've never had before in the MCU. And, you know, if it wasn't for the fact that I knew it was part of it, you could have told me that this is just Universal did this as a side project, you know, check this out and watch it. I would have absolutely believed you from beginning on that. And uh, just that, but, but the approach of it, rather than making it like this big, long spectacle, it was one evening. It was one night yes. and it was this big hunt and it was just a great setting and all the little bits about it beforehand, you know, with the, what was it? A, a tuba on fire. Like, Oh my God. Like yes, just Sousa phone. Yeah. It just like just walking on fire. Um, but hands down, my favorite part of it was towards the end where Jack is fighting the guards and all you see is like the shadow. Mm-hmm. and the doors closing slowly in the background and you can see him hopping from left to right and taking them out one by one but just uh using that classic method of showing but not actually showing the monster mm-hmm. was great because it left a lot to the imagination mm-hmm. and even then we got to see a lot of parts that weren't left to the imagination when he ripped that dude's ear off or whatever you know pulling mm-hmm. the mike tyson and and <laughs> Never and heard burst- of all that before. <laughs> <laughs> and bursting oh. out of the cell onto that other, you know, that mount was just so interesting because it was different. And 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 um, using the bloodstone, having it being the only source of color mm-hmm. up until the very end when you finally got color, you know, bled into and, and when when he came to the day after. But but utilizing strongly the black and white throughout the whole episode was just so fun I, I do love that what this what this did with the horror reminded me very much of like alien where you did you didn't ever see alien until the end you know and then we had those touches of like wizard of oz where they're playing somewhere over the rainbow as the colors coming back like there was a lot of these old technicolor mm-hmm. old horror not even aliens not old horror but like these classic horror tropes and stuff that just it could have been really cheesy and it probably was, but it fed so well off of that, that like it was perfect. Even the buckets of corn syrup that you can tell that they definitely <laughs> used and that, yes. you know, they were able to have with that rating since it was, you know, black and white. That's like a very old horror thing too. 
you know, and I think there's, it, it, you guys nailed it when you said it, you know, fit with the Halloween Horror Nights and Universal Monsters thing. I think it's, it's totally that vibe. And I think, you know, it was, it was just so different. And I think because it was a success, we're going to see many more of them, like many more special presentations where maybe, you know, you're taking a risk artistically, you're taking a risk with the filmmaking. Whereas with the standard MCU stuff, you don't see that, you know, they're very mm -hmm. conventional filmmaking things. How do y'all feel about you, them doing black and white moving forward? Do you like it or would like, was it best as a one-off and then maybe moving forward, we get some color? What, what are your thoughts? I think the horror, every Halloween one should be black and white. I think that like really lean heavily into that, make it, or, you know, I guess you could change it up sometimes have, if you want to do one that's more like slasher inspired, it could be color, but like that classic black and white, intense music, cheesy dialogue, that fits so well together that I'd love to see more of that. Yeah, I think I think as a Halloween as a Halloween thing, it really works. I don't know, you know, I don't know how it would work for anything else, the black and white. Yeah, Absolutely. that's what I was thinking. I'm like, as much as I love the black and white, I don't know if I want it every time to be black and white. For this one though, it it looked and felt great. Absolutely. And you know, so I think that a really good foil to comparing talking about World by Night is we're actually going to skip over Black Panther, talk about that last, and really quickly talk about Guardians of the Galaxy, especially because Black and Panther, Wakanda Forever, still in theaters. Um, so some people maybe not have seen it, so we'll keep that one a little bit spoiler light when we get there. But Guardians of the Galaxy had a holiday special as well, which was a special presentation, the second one, uh, the second one of this year, and I'm sure there's going to be more coming forward. But how did we like that compared to Werewolf by Night? Or do you think that it's it's wrong to compare the two, even though they're both special presentations? I'd say it's inherently wrong to do it, just because you can tell this was made just as a specifically Christmas thing, obviously, versus mm -hmm. Werewolf by Night was just, hey, we're going to release it in October. This plays well into Halloween, and we'll roll with it. Um, I, I think you can almost compare them in that, you know, old television shows when they would run for a really long time would have time for like very special episodes or holiday themed episodes where they were sometimes kind of funky. And I think in, in that way you can like compare them because, you know, it's Halloween and Christmas, but otherwise I don't think they, you know, you can compare them very much at all. Just, you know, that they were special event episodes. Absolutely. I do want to say that I loved this holiday special. I especially loved the family aspect. Like, I cried, I laughed. Uh, my sister and I are still saying some of the lines back and forth to each other. <laughs> um, Mantis was fantastic. Pom mm -hmm. did such a great job as this character. And I think, like, you really got to see her outside of mm -hmm. the Guardians. And, like, she kind of was overshadowed in the second movie and in Infinity War and stuff. And, like, this one, you got to see her be this full character. And not only is she powerful and she's strong, but she has this big heart. And she's really intelligent. And, like, she's not just someone kind of silly like Drax and I love to see that about her absolutely there was so much more development of her and I think just you know overall they weren't they weren't um they weren't outshined by the main characters they weren't outshined by by Star-Lord and I think that's always fun when you get to see characters that you know don't always get a chance to have as much airtime mm -hmm. with that characters who don't get as much screen time we had Black Panther, Wakanda Forever, and this had someone have to step up in, into to shoes that were so huge to fill that it was almost impossible. We, as we know, Chadwick Boseman 
has mm-hmm. is no longer with us and we had to have his sister well his character sister step up as the mantle of black panther um how did we like wakanda forever what do we think about it that was absolutely a uh, a heavy but fantastic <laughs> movie um i really enjoyed the introduction of namor uh, I, I actually was a big fan of how they changed it of making them you know being from that you know uh what would i guess northern central america just being from that area in general was was nice and how they spun that into the spanish you know conquistadores how they brought that in and really the the part that got me was when he introduced his name you know how he a niño sin amor namor like that was as Ooh, a latino yeah, say, myself say that again no no not saying <laughs> that again but uh it, it was it was nice because you know even though namor is literally the most classic character of marvel it's their first character um to have a nice little spin to make it a little bit more relatable and 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 broaden it to a whole group of latinos that, that felt powerful to me and i know mm-hmm. a lot of my friends really enjoyed that um as far as the wakandans though uh, incredible performances from from everybody from there you know angela bassett uh Letitia Wright I was very impressed you know for being a comic book movie to see that range of emotions was just amazing it didn't feel like a comic book movie it felt like just like a big Mm, emotional weighty blockbuster and I think it Mm -hmm. you know it stands on its own and I can only imagine how hard it must have been for the you know actors and crew to go on and to make this you know beautiful piece of art knowing that their friend you know had passed away and make this like piece of art and kind of um in honor of of him and I think you know it's just it it was amazing and I don't really have great words to describe just the experience of seeing it you know I got I got chills and goosebumps a, a number of times when when the name was mentioned you know that was one of them so like I only saw it recently I was one of the late yeah. comers to see it I definitely have to say that for a phase that was about grief, because almost every mm-hmm. single project was about grief, what a huge film to end it on. And like, this is the biggest example, I think, of grief. You know, we started with WandaVision, which was about losing your loved one. And then this was actually a film where every one of those individuals lost a loved one. Like, they were a family by that point. Mm-hmm. And without spoiling too much, because I don't, I you know, I don't want to be that person, but from that first scene that first scene really did a number on me all three times i saw that movie and i will cry just thinking about it and mm-hmm. from that first scene all the way to the end there's just tears and there's just it goes through every step of the grieving process and the last scene with sherry uh the cheetah right did a fantastic job mm-hmm. as sherry this film but that last scene when she's sitting at the fire was just cinematic and like i just i can't say much more about the film it was fantastic and i love that they introduced nate more and i just cannot wait to see what happens again with with the wakandans because now it's kind of this interesting part because now they get to tell maybe the story they wanted to tell from this point on and not having to deal with the fact of the grief Mm -hmm. i also don't think that they would have had the same film that they would have had with this one if we wouldn't have lost chasmick boseman which i'm not trying to say that that's a good thing i'm just saying that this film was 
a love letter to him in every single way. And um, I'm glad that we got to have it that way. I think you, yeah. you, it was a testament, you know, to their grief. And I think, I think you nailed it with that. And, and even the whole phase, like you mentioned. And I think that, you know, it's hard without spoilers. And I think that this, this movie also sets up a couple of interesting things for, for the mm-hmm. rest of the MCU. And I, you know, again, what would that have looked like too without this movie? Yeah, I, I want to make one last note on the movie just because I was really impressed by it. Is that opening scene when when Shuri fails to recreate the the uh, heart shaped herb to save her brother? It really didn't feel oh. like she was acting. That really felt <laughs> mm-hmm. genuine. Like she felt like I'm doing what I can. And I'm here acting this movie mm-hmm. because if you if it wasn't if things wouldn't have happened the way they did, you would be here with me right now. And yep. man, that hit so hard. There was yep. plenty of times in this film where it actually felt like they weren't their characters, that they were they were themselves and they were the embodiment of all of their emotions. And I think that just brought like such a level of reality to this film that we maybe don't have in say like Endgame where like the world's exploding and stuff. Like mm-hmm. this was just such a every one of those people you could tell was processing all mm-hmm. of their emotions on that screen. Yep. Um so we are running out of time, but <laughs> what I want to talk about before we, we do is phase five is next to 2023 um starts the new phase we're starting with ant-man and the wasp which comes out september not september february 17th um <laughs> Ooh, you almost broke my are, heart there brian yeah. oh, uh, what are you trying to tell us is this going Don't to be an article that. it's not it's not getting delayed i promise people um <laughs> what are we looking forward to like what is our one project that we are looking forward to in phase five that's not the fair. Television show or movie? No, one one television show, one movie, because that's not fair. Okay, one television show, one movie. You get it. Anthony. I'll go first. I'll go first. I'm most excited for Ant Man and the Wasp. I love Paul Rudd. I've been watching him act for twenty plus years. He's been fantastic. Jeff Loveness wrote this one, and he wrote a lot of really great uh, episodes of of Rick and Morty. As you know, I spoke earlier. I'm a big fan of. So I, I want to see what he does with his his write up, and then. My most favorite television series, because I've been reading a lot of his comics, has to be Daredevil Born Again. Um, I just recently yes. read Devil's Reign, and and I hope they go with that storyline of making Wilson Fist the mayor, which from what I've understood, they, that's a strong possibility. And if it is, hell yeah. Absolutely. I, I, I Those are great choices. I'm going to steal them for different reasons. I, I totally agree. Um, I am very excited about Ant-Man. I think that I was like totally surprised by Ant-Man 1 and Ant-Man 2 and just they are so charming and like so funny and just I really like again like how they portray um, like smaller family relationships and you know the family that you know that um, he kind of creates for himself too with you know, with everyone there. So I, I love that. And I hope we see a lot more of that in Ant-Man 3. And I'm, I'm excited about Daredevil. But we get Kang. That's the main reason why I'm really excited about Ant-Man 3. Like Kang, <laughs> yeah. not he who remains or some variant, actually Kang, the yeah. man. Oh, Kang has <laughs> entered the chat. <laughs> yes. Well, I'm, I'm actually not as excited about that as I am for the like interpersonal things, but I don't know. I, I, I just like And Bill Murray. Yeah. yeah, not anymore. <laughs> uh, yeah, I know. I agree. Well, I'm gonna try to be different then. No, um, those How are great. <laughs> those are great choices. Those are great choices. But I have to say that I, 
after the holiday special, which has impacted me so much. I'm so excited for Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, especially seeing that trailer recently. Uh, it's going to be emotional. It's going to be heartbreaking. Uh, Rocket Raccoon, what's going on with him? Thrax has some has an explosion in his chest. What is he? I'm so cool. Counter Earth's going to show up. I'm so excited for that. And plus, even though this is our third outing, they're kind of saying it's like the last outing of this Guardians of the 3 of these Guardians of the Galaxy. They're making it sound like they're over. I know they're not. I can't wait to see how it's going to end. Um, but Also, I Adam Warlock. Adam Warlock. And the soundtrack. Yes. It's going to be fantastic. It's gonna be, oh, man, you know I love my some, yep. some music. So, yep, 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 yep. And just real quick about that, I don't know if you guys noticed, but on the poster, it actually says it's a James Gunn film. It's the first one of any Marvel film that has someone's name attached to it. The first and only for him? Probably. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the next Logan one is Superman, Batman. <laughs> uh, but TV show, uh, it's a tie between Ironheart, because I loved her in Black Panther, Wakanda Forever. And I think Agatha, I've always been someone who has loved witches and magic. And I think that show is going to no. explode. You don't say. You? No. <laughs> Definitely I, not. I think that show is going to explode the magical aspects of the MCU. Those doors are going to be blown wide open. And I cannot wait to see what's going to happen um, with the characters, especially because Catherine Hahn is fantastic in that role. So this we can't true. go wrong with that. This is very um, true. So this, is, this has been our episode looking back at 2022 and looking forward to 2023. Um, Thank you so much for joining us, Cosmic Fam. It's always great to have you here. We can't Yay. wait to have more of these episodes with you. Uh, joining me today again is Isla Ruby and Anthony Flagg. My name is Brian Kitson, head writer of the Cosmic Circus. And we can't wait to see you next time. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening, guys. And don't forget the CosmicCircus.com.